A rational foundation for the mitzvahs. An explanation that appeals to our intellect as well as our more emotive side. An explanation that can call on multiple layers of our experience. That is the world of Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch. He calls us through his work Chorev. I'm Similana, and welcome back. We're jumping right back into things with Tefillin, and this is going to be a bit of a journey because it's going to involve many aspects, and the deeper we dive into the ideas that are associated with Tefillin, not only will we enrich our own experience of putting Tefillin on, but also enrich our experience of what Judaism is asking of us. I have to apologize as well, we've taken a couple of weeks off. The reason for this is that, thank God, we were blessed with a beautiful baby boy. Rivka and the baby are doing great, thank God, and we called him Hananel. Uh, best way of translating that, I suppose, is God was God's grace, perhaps, but we'll go into that a different time when it becomes relevant to the podcast. But thank God all is well, and now we're going to get to it. We're on to Tefillin now. Now, Tefillin is a whole world. Now, it's worth us focusing on this for some time for a few reasons. One, the podcasts are fairly short, but also because there involves a an intricacy to when it comes to Tefillin, that the more we discuss it, the more it will be enriched in our experience. Because there's not only the object, which is the tefillin, that is made up of unique components that are fundamental to the ideas that are embedded within it, there is also scrolls within it with things written on them. And these ideas can't be separated. When you involve yourself in tefillin, you're not only enacting, you also have to have in mind what is written within. And what is written within plays itself out with how the experience of putting tefillin on will affect you. So that's what we're going to do, and we're going to see this pattern play itself out on other areas and in other mitzvahs, so it's worth us focusing on it now. Now, I really want to open up by laying out the, um, the, the landscape of what we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss the object itself, the order in which we put it on, as well as what is written inside. When I say the object itself, I mean everything from the material that is used to the shape of the object, the tefillin themselves. And when I say the order, why we take one part off and put the other part on, why we do it in a certain order, and what is baked into that, but also what is written upon them, and why this is so significant. Four parashas, four fundamental ideas, approaching the individual as well as the state. And these all come together in building a Jewish identity, because we're not just isolated individuals, we are also part of a nation. And we'll come to see how Tefillin is such a central act, such a central ritual for the Jewish people, and it's been held onto with such love and care throughout history. But I think an idea that we have to focus on before we even delve into the actual act itself is the word. We call them Tefillin. Rav Hirsch points out to us that the very word itself forces us, encourages us to take the tefillin as a whole. What do I mean by this? Tefillin is the same root as the word tefillah when we daven, which is the root palal, which means to judge. Now, when we put on tefillin, we envision ourselves doing something physical, but we're also to reflect on what's within. It's not only, as Rav Hirsch calls it, an ice, a sign, as a symbol, but also a zichroin, a remembering, a internalizing. Now, when it comes to Jewish symbols, we can envision some of them being external and internal. The tefillin are so wrapped up in these two concepts that the very word itself forces us to reflect within while we do an external action. 
That's the power of the symbol of the tefillin. What do I mean by it forces us to reflect? When it comes to tefillah, we call it palal, tefillah, hit palal. The root is to judge. Palal is what a judge does. Now, Rav Hirsch really does spend time on focusing how powerful Jewish prayer is if we really appreciate what it's doing. And when we're talking about tefillin, I think it's worth opening up with this. So what is palal? Palal means to judge. The hit palal, the reflexive, which is the form that tefillah comes in, is to self-judge. Now that is at the core what we're doing when we pray. We're not expressing something within to God. We're not expressing something that we feel deep and that we want to express out to the Almighty. There's a time for that, but that's not tefillah in its classical sense. Tefillah in its classical sense is the importing of something external within, because that's what a judge does. A judge takes judgment to a argument, the external concept of justice, implants it onto the disagreement, and he creates something new. That's what a judge does. That is what palal is to, to just to give you the, the parallel, balal. We have this idea of base lamed lamed in the Torah, which means to mix. That's in a physical sense, where you have water and you mix it with flour, you get dough. You get a new substance through the physical mixing. When it comes to tefillah or palal, it's that but in the conceptual world. The world of, let's call it the world of the spirit. When I pray, what am I doing? I am reflecting on key ideas in the Amida, and I'm judging myself in reference to them. So to play it out, when I read das, I am judging myself in reference to that principle. How do I live up to that concept? And through the experience of judging myself in reference to that concept, I am in an act of becoming. I change who I am. I become a person who reflects that concept more deeply. I become new. That is the purpose of tefillah. Like on the physical plane, dough is a new substance because of the mixture of the flour and the water. Just like the judge creates a new substance, justice, a, a, a breakdown of an argument through the introduction of his deliberation, that third con, that concept from outside that is implanted within is prayer for us. And the Amida are those words, those concepts that we try and impart into our very being and become new in the process. It's one of those ideas that someone can ask, well, what is the point of tefillah? Three times a day, the same thing? I don't feel these now. Maybe when I feel them, I'll say them. But that's not the point. The point isn't when you feel it. Rav Hirsch puts it, the times you don't feel it are the times you probably need to reflect on these principles all the more so. That is tefillah. When we daven, we are reflecting on ideas that we want to impart into our being and become different through that experience. So that's tefillah. And that is the same root of tefillin. So tefillin are that which we put on ourselves, but reflection and internalization is as key. And it's beautiful because the tefillin themselves aren't only objects like a shaifer, it has information within it. And that information is key. So what we're going to do now is talk about what's written within it and touch upon a little bit of the structure itself. And next week, we'll delve into the structure. So we have four parashas. An important point to point out, when it comes to the armed tefillin, it's all on one parchment. When it comes to the head, it's on four separate parchments in individual compartments. This is going to be key because the more we know about the structure, the more we can ascertain of the meaning but just to talk about the 
parchments themselves. What are they? We have four parshas. The way Rav Hirsch sees it, two of them refer to the state, two of them refer to the individual. The first one, we speak about God choosing us. It's in reference to the Bachar, Yitziat Mitzrayim. We were elected. We were chosen by God. We were taken out of Egypt. This is the foundation of our personal relationship with the Almighty. This is how we relate to God. We relate to God as the one who took us out of Egypt. He chose us. The phrase that this all begins with is Kedusha, which everything else is working towards. The second is our existence throughout history. The second parchment is the survival of the Jewish people against all odds that we are still here and the way we are still here is because of God's hand, because of providence. This is a way of looking at ourselves in a macro scale, looking at, looking at us as a nation that God's providence has taken us throughout history. The third is the shift back to the individual, Shema. The connection, the relationship between a one source of existence that we are to relate to in love is once again a personal calling. Our motivation, our duty itself is coming together with the Shema. That we are committing ourselves to this, ro this role, this mission. And the last one is how we act has a ramification on how the world manifests. If we do what is right, and this is once again the shift to the nation's perspective, if we do what is right, things work out. And if we don't, we bear responsibility. So these three ideas that emerge on the actual text that we have inside are Tillin. The first, the basis, the foundation, the Yesiat Mitzrayim, the election of the Jewish people as being a people of the Almighty. The second, how we are seen throughout history, our survival, our continued existence throughout history. The third, the specific duty of the Jew, to relate to God in love and in duty. And lastly, the responsibility of as us as a nation, of how we act in the world, has ramifications in how the world reacts to us. So to recap, we spoke about the idea of reflection, of judging, of self-judging as being the root of tefillah and the root of tefillin. These are objects. These are a house. Something is within the house. Before we look at the structure of the house, it's called a bayit. Before we talk about the structure, we talk about what is within. When they spoke about the Oren HaKodesh, the first thing we want to know is what is being protected, what is being encased, and then we can talk about the symbol, the structure itself. And we spoke about the four components, the component of the basis for the individual, history of how we look at ourselves going through history, and Hashem's providence and Hashem's hand in history, looking at us from a national standpoint. Then we move to the Shema, which is once again the individual duty to relate to Hashem in love and accomplish this goal that Hashem wants us to achieve in the world. And lastly, to look at the world as being reactive. How we act, there is a responsibility. How we act affects how the world changes. And that's Vahaya. So, thank you so much for listening, and please join me for part two next week.